get one of the, um, the green sheets if you'll raise your hand. Uh, Nolan is here in the back. He's ready to hand you one of those. So if you did not get uh, an outline sheet, if you'll raise your hand, and he'll be coming around and, and giving those to you. So keep them held high until he gets here. Uh, if, uh, if he misses someone, just wave at him and say, Hey, Nolan. So that's Nolan back there. So um, make sure that he, he's aware that, that you need one of those. We're also glad to have uh, our guys from Teen Challenge with us tonight. Uh, there's many of you that are, several of you that are new that we've not gotten to know. So uh, I hope that you guys will stay around a little bit uh, after our services. And I want to encourage all of our members uh, to take time to get to know them. We want you to know. We appreciate you. We appreciate what you're doing and what you're going through. We pray for you. And it's an honor when we have the opportunity to feed you those meals uh, once a month. And we look forward to those. And so we are thankful that each and every one of you are here tonight. Uh, I say this often. And so uh, many of you not heard me, uh, some of you have, but uh, I want you to know this. Um, when we come in this building, uh, we come in broken as well. And so that's our message to the world. And we want you to know that, just like we want everyone who comes in here to know that. We are broken, we are imperfect, and we serve a perfect God, and we stand in need of Him. And so uh, we're thankful that every one of you are here tonight, especially you guys from our from Teen Challenge. We've been studying in this uh, book from uh, our brothers uh, down in Florence uh, about equipping the saints. And uh, it's been some uh, good things learned in thinking about the way we work uh, in ministry. And it's fitting that uh, tonight we look at a lesson that reminds us about growing like Jesus. When it comes to serving in ministry, our greatest example is Jesus. I want you to think back to when you were a child, when you were growing up. Do you remember having that superhero or that, that one person, that athlete or that famous actor that you looked up to? That you said, listen, if there's someone I could be like, I want to be like that person. Do you remember that? Do you remember that superhero, that athlete, that famous actor? Do you remember how a lot of times you would try to do almost anything you could and everything you could to model what you had in your scope of ability to model the things that you did after them. You wanted to be like them. You wanted to be that hero. You wanted to be that athlete or that actor. And so everything that you would do, maybe you fixed your hair a certain way. Maybe you dressed a certain way. Maybe you acted a certain way. Maybe if it was an athlete, you caught a ball a certain way or threw it a certain way or hit a certain way. Just because that was your hero, that was the person that you looked up to, you wanted to be like. How about if you grew up around people of great faith? Do you remember some of those people? Can you recall some of those people in your mind now? Those people that when you were growing up, you looked up to and you thought, man, if, if there was ever a person of great faith, it was that person. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was someone that you went to church with. But that person, bring that person to mind. Remember that person. Remember how when you looked at them and you said, listen, that's a person of great faith. And if I could be like anybody of great faith, I want to be like them. Maybe you modeled things. After them, things that you learned from them. Well, tonight, I want us to look at an even greater example. The example of Jesus. And there are several people throughout all of Scripture that we could look at. 
There are people from your past. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 calls them heroes of faith. Uh, not only in Scripture, but also from your past, as we've already mentioned, that come to mind when you think about how they did ministry, how they lived out their faith. But even still, above and beyond all of them, as great as those examples are, the greatest example for us to look at is that of Jesus. Do you remember the saying? Maybe you heard that, especially if you one of those heroes for you was an athlete. Do you remember growing up and hearing that saying? Practice makes perfect. You remember that? Practice makes perfect. I like how someone said of that, they said practice makes permanent, which may or may not be good. Someone even made a revision to that saying, practice makes perfect, and they said something like this, perfect practice makes perfect. And that's what we hope to do by looking at the example of Jesus. If you ever want to know how to be involved in ministry, yes, we go back and look at some of those, uh, some of those great characters in the, in the New Testament church. Are some of those great characters back in the Old Testament? And those are great examples and great characters to follow. But if we really want to know uh, how to be involved in ministry... Because remember, at the onset of studying this book, we're all ministers, servants. Then we have to look at the greatest example, and that's the example of Jesus. And so, on your outlines, uh, there's, there's a lot of information here. A lot of this comes from, um, from this book. Uh, there's some things even in this book that they mentioned that I didn't put in the outline. Uh, but I want us to notice some of these things that they laid out in this chapter about focusing on Jesus. If, if Jesus is our example, and that's who we want to focus at, uh, then let's notice some of the things that characterize the ministry of Jesus. And we would do well to learn from these things and follow Look at the first thing. Uh, in His ministry, Jesus' ministry was characterized by complete devotion to God the Father. Uh, that's who He was. That's how He lived. He had a complete devotion to God the Father. And isn't it interesting that Jesus, the very Son of God, uh, when He lived His life and when He was involved in God's work, God's service... He had a complete devotion to God the Father. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, we see, when He asked His earthly parents, Why do you seek Me? Did you not know I must be about My Father's business? In John 4 and verse 34, He tells His disciples, My food is to do the will of Him who sent Me and to finish His work. What, what an example. If we just stopped right there tonight and, and that was it, that would be one of the greatest examples of all time that we could be given from that Scripture, right? My will is to do the will of Him who sent Me to finish His work. Oh, at the onset, we talked about uh, characters and heroes that we looked up to growing up. And we want to model our lives after those characters and after those heroes. And so we do things to model them. At the end, I want to share a story and a statement that is made uh, by the person that tells that story. But when we, when we begin growing up, especially in America, 
We think about this American, American dream and we, we want all the things that they tell us on television or in the paper or, or on the internet. We want all those things that the world tells us that we need. But Jesus said, listen, Jesus said, my will is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Well, Jesus finished His work, but church, guess what? Our work in the ministry and service of God is not finished. And so let us also adopt that, that our work are, are, is to do the will of Him who has sent us into the world to finish His work. Uh, this devotion is also stated in John chapter 8 and verse 29. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I, I always do the things that please Him. That is His desire. To please Father God. This devotion is also seen in a couple of passages of Scripture. If you have your Bibles or your electronic device, uh, let's turn to those in the New Testament. First of all, to the New Testament book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and then we'll uh, look over in Hebrews chapter 5. And we'll notice here uh, the vivid description of the devotion uh, of Jesus to Father God. Paul writes about this first in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. When he gives this example, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of a man, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly, also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden? Do you remember He prayed something very similar to what Paul is talking about here? Do you remember when He prayed? As He's facing pain and suffering, Jesus said, Father, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, yet not My will, but Your will be done. In all things that Jesus did, even in suffering, Jesus said, My will is to do your will. You remember what John the Baptist said? I must decrease and he must increase. That was his attitude. And notice what the Hebrew writer puts in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. we'll also see this vivid description of this great devotion to Father God. What an example. The Hebrew writer says in first chapter 5 and verse 8, So also Christ, hear it now, Christ did not glorify Himself to become high priest. But it was He who said to Him, You are My Son, today I have begotten You. 
And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, went vehement, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Christ was devoted to God the Father. But notice on the outline also, uh, His ministry was characterized by selfless service. When His sermon, you remember, He was sharing uh, a lesson. And four men lowering their friend down, you remember that story, through the roof of a house in Mark chapter 2. Remember how the Lord commented to them about their faith? And then He healed that man? Even from the cross, He showed selfless service. When He sought to meet the needs of His mother, as well as the penitent thief on the cross, John 19 and Luke 23. Uh, we don't have time to read it tonight, but I want to encourage you to read it. Paul also, uh, in his writings, were descriptive uh, of this selfless service when he cautions followers to avoid selfish ambition by following the example of Christ. Do, do we struggle with selfishness? Oh, sure, some, uh, many of us, most of us do from time to time. But when we want to be selfless, the greatest example is Jesus. Paul said avoid selfish ambition by following the example of Christ. Jesus' ministry will also notice was characterized by great compassion. Oh, the stories after stories after stories of the compassion of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, when Jesus answers the question of John's disciples, they say, are you the coming one or should we look for someone else? Jesus gave them an answer that was a fulfillment of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 6, and also God's own compassion. You see, I'm doing this as a fulfillment of Scripture, but also because I love the Father and He sent me, and of my devotion to Him, I have compassion on others. We also see this, uh, His compassion in Luke chapter 5. In His cleansing and healing of the leper. Do you know what He did? Do you remember lepers? When they had to yell out, Hey, unclean, unclean! And everybody would part. Do not get close to the leper. But what did Jesus do? Jesus touched the leper. In Luke chapter 7, you remember the compassion that Jesus showed on this sinful woman? When He's in the house of this religious leader, this Pharisee, and this woman comes in and she's shedding her tears on the feet of Jesus. Have you ever cried because of your sins? This woman did. And Jesus, He didn't take that mightier than me attitude and say, uh, woman, get away from me. I, I don't have time for you. No, that's not what Jesus did. She allowed this, he allowed this woman to shed her tears on His feet. Wash, dry His feet with her very hair and anoint His feet with oil. Oh, the Pharisee thought in himself, hey, 
man, if this guy's really a prophet, he would know who this woman was and what she has done. And Jesus then tells him a story and he says, listen, ever since I've been in, this, in your house, you've not done anything for me. Except provide a place at your table. This woman, since I've sat down, has not stopped crying, washing my feet and anointing my feet with oil. And Jesus showed compassion. We see this again in the book of Mark chapter 8. When He's speaking to this crowd and He feeds, He has compassion on this crowd because they are hungry and He feeds the 5,000. Remember also in Luke chapter 15 how He showed compassion to tax collectors? Listen now. Most people did not like tax collectors. But Jesus showed compassion to them. Jesus showed compassion to those who were in sin. We also see this in Mark chapter 2. When He's criticized for helping tax collectors and sinners... This is what Jesus' response was. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous. Listen to it. I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Remember, you see, this is the the thing that blows my mind and I love about this this chapter. is because how did it start out? What was foundational in Jesus' ministry for God? His devotion to God. If I want to be a better servant of God, I would do well to follow the example of Jesus and start with my devotion to Almighty God. Jesus Jesus even had compassion for those that rejected Him and were about to take His life. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus did that. Even to those who were ready to kill Him. The ministry of Jesus can also be characterized by a strong desire to meet people's greatest need. Their need to be right with God. That's what led, that's why Jesus had compassion on people. In John chapter 6, when He feeds the 5,000, He didn't just leave them there, did He? Do you remember what He says there in John chapter 6? He offered them the bread of life. In John chapter 8, when He forgave the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, do you remember what He said to her? Go and sin no more. What about in John chapter 4, which we looked at a, a few weeks ago, or last week, when the woman at the well, when she came, Jesus didn't just offer her water, but He offered her living water. In John chapter 6, everyone who was in the hearing distance of the voice of Jesus, do you know what He did? He called them to eternal life. Jesus' ministry was also characterized by fervent prayer. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. When Jesus arose a long while before daylight, He sought a solitary place 
to pray. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 reveals to us that He often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 tells us that the night before choosing the twelve, notice what He did. He went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. When I read that, I have to honestly ask myself this question and I want to challenge you as well. How often, how long has it been since I've prayed for the ministry of the church? I don't know that I've prayed all night. But Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 6, we're moved by the beauty and simplicity of His model prayer. In Matthew chapter 26, we see the passion and depth of His prayers. His disciples also asking Him, teach us to pray in Luke chapter 11, is evidence that they saw Jesus do this at different times. But not always, because a lot of times he went off by himself. Someone has said, it may be more than that. It may be that they saw the effectiveness of his prayers in his life. And number six, his ministry was characterized by involving others in God's service. After doing all these other things, he looked for opportunities to involve others in the service of God. You remember in John chapter 6, Jesus used a boy's lunch to feed the multitude. In Luke chapter 8, He accepts help from godly women who provide for Him from their substance. In John chapter 1 and John chapter 4, in, in Andrew bringing Peter and Philip bringing Nathaniel and the Samaritan woman, when Jesus comes in contact with her, What does she do? She goes and she leads her entire village to Jesus. It's seen when Jesus sends out the twelve. My will is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. And I'm I'm commissioning you, go out and do likewise. When He sends out the seventy, go out and do likewise. In Matthew chapter 28, when he, when he sends them out on the Great Commission, and also as the challenge is passed down to each one of us, if I'm a minister of God, not by paid position, okay? But because I'm a Christian. My challenge is to follow the example of Jesus. And to call others also to eternal life. And then finally this evening, His ministry was characterized by abounding joy over faith and repentance. When people saw the faith, when Jesus saw the faith of others and the repentance of others, He was overjoyed. Matthew chapter 8, when the centurion stated uh, that Jesus could heal whether He was present or whether He was distant. Look at what Jesus said. What the Bible says Jesus said, He marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And remember how the Israelites fell? We are God's chosen people. And Jesus said, This was a Gentile. I've not seen even such great faith in all of Israel. 
In Matthew chapter 15, in verse 28, as he removed the affliction of her daughter, he praised the humble Canaanite mother. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. Also, you remember in Luke chapter 19, you remember that story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He ran up and he climbed in the sycamore tree. Why? Because Jesus he wanted to see. And when Jesus passed by, he noticed Zacchaeus in that tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Because I'm going to go to your house today. What an example that Jesus gives us. So what's our challenge? Our challenge is to imitate Jesus. Now it might be true that we don't have supernatural powers, which Jesus had. We don't receive direct communication from God outside of Scripture. We cannot claim to approach the level of wisdom and discernment shown by Jesus. Nevertheless, He is our pattern. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 21 and 22. You remember what Peter said about Jesus? And he's talking about His suffering, but Jesus is our example. For this we were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. What are some of those, Peter? Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth. And we know the Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need Jesus because we are sinners. But still, He's our standard. You see, understanding the word, the meaning of the word disciple helps us to know this as well. A disciple is one who follows, imitates, and learns from. So if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we're declaring to those around us and those in the world, listen, I follow Jesus. I'm trying to imitate Him, and I'm trying to learn from Him. You see, that tells people we don't have it all together. Just the mere term of the word disciple says, I do not have it all together, therefore I need Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master, It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master if they have called the master. The early Christians, you read through the book of Acts, they embraced this truth. They personally sacrificed for the needs needs of others. They participated in choosing additional leaders. Prayer permeated their lives. And when persecuted, Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 says, Those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. Now let's ask a question. Think about this one. When they were persecuted, they went everywhere preaching the Word. Does God have to wait on me to be persecuted? before I share the Word with others. They set an example by following Jesus in the work of ministry. What they did, guess what? We can do also. But we need to embrace their attitude and imitate their faith. 
their attitude of following Jesus and their faith in following Jesus in the work of ministry. I mentioned to you that I wanted to share this story that I came across. And the story tells about a former missionary in his while in his 60s. He was a former missionary to Indonesia and India. Herbert Mitchell was his name. He had memorized the entire New Testament. In his golden years, he spent his days in downtown Chicago, going from office building to office building. Inside, he was asked the secretaries if he could have five minutes with the boss to talk about a personal matter. Frequently, he would be ushered into the boss's office and he would say, I only have five minutes, but I want to ask you, did you read your Bible before you came to work this morning? The boss would look at him as if he were crazy and say, no. Herbert would smile and answer, Sir, you sure missed a blessing, didn't you? I'd just like to share with you what God spoke about to me in the Bible this morning. He would open up a New Testament and hand it to the boss and say, Let's start right here. Then Herbert would sit back and start quoting it word for word. The boss would listen, amazed. After five minutes, Herbert would say, My time is up. I've got to go. Wasn't that a blessing? On most occasions, the boss would ask him to stay longer, and they would talk. Herbert Mitchell led men to Christ all over downtown Chicago that way because God's Word was burning in his heart. Now, I don't share that story to say, listen, if we, if we don't memorize the whole New Testament, we can't share the Word with people. That's not the point. The point was that Herbert Mitchell saw an opportunity. And creatively, he took advantage of it. There are things that each and every one of us can do in the service of God. The bottom line is, we just have to figure out what that is and do so, right? Just like Herbert. Just like the Christians in the early church. And just like the example that Jesus set for us. The writer of this story, at the end of this story, said this, When we stop chasing the American dream and start following Christ, we find everything our heart desires. Isn't that what Jesus promised? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God will take care of us. What a challenge in a world that seeks that American dream to serve, for us to serve. For us to follow that example of Jesus and say, I want to be a servant. I want to be devoted to God. I want to lay myself aside and try to meet the needs of others. I want to share people. Anytime I talk with people, I want to draw people to eternal life. What an example. What an example we have to follow as New Testament Christians. Tonight, it's our prayer. If you're here tonight and you're not in Christ, 
We want to challenge you. We want to encourage you. We want to love you. We want to share the compassion of Jesus that compels you for eternity. Will you come to Jesus tonight if you haven't given your life to Him? If you haven't, it's our prayer that you will. That you will be buried with Christ in baptism because of your belief, because you want to be a part of Christ. So you can follow the example of Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight. We talked about this morning. And one thing we always want to remind folks of is the invitation is not just about, hey, confessing my sins, or asking for prayers because of struggles, or becoming a Christian, or rededicating my life. But the invitation is also an opportunity for God's people to say, you know what, I'm carrying some heavy burdens. I'm in some dark times. I need help. And I need prayers. Just like we saw this morning. But if you're here tonight, and you need to respond to the Lord's invitation for any reason, we stand ready and willing to help you as together we stand and sing. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear.